Hi, and welcome to episode 123 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and it's the end of a very wet summer here on the east coast of Australia. And this is the final of my summer series episodes where I'm bringing you longer recordings from my YouTube videos of previous podcast guests. And today I'm bringing you my conversation with the fabulous Tom Carment. I spoke with Tom in 2019, only a few months before the bushfires and the start of COVID, so very different times. But it was at about the same time as his brilliant book, Warmera Lane, was being released, and we met in his terrace home in that very lane. It was also in the lead up to his show at King Street Gallery in Sydney, and his home was overtaken by preparations for that show. You see, once Tom has created his work and his landscapes, portraits and still lifes are always from life. He then makes the frames for them from beautiful Tasmanian blackwood and he was in the middle of that process when I met him that day with frames and paintings scattered throughout the dining area and the studio. It was absolutely amazing. And coincidentally, I'm publishing this episode as Tom is going through that very same process in the lead up to his next show with King Street Gallery, which opens on the 22nd of March, 2022. It's an extremely time-consuming activity making so many frames and for this show it's taken him over two months and they're a work of art in themselves with each corner joined with wooden keys and he really thinks carefully about which work would suit the wood colour of each unique frame. When I spoke with Tom, he'd been living in Adelaide where he and his partner Jan had pared back their belongings and rented a one-bedroom workers' cottage where they only intended to stay for a year. But since then, of course, COVID took hold and his upcoming show is called Two Years in South Australia. And what is a standout for me is a series of exquisite works of the lighthouse on Corny Point on the York Peninsula where he camped for several weeks. Tom has won numerous art prizes, including the Gallipoli, Mossman and New South Wales Parliament Plein Air Painting Prize. He's had over 25 solo shows and he's also written several books apart from Woomera Lane. And that book was shortlisted in the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards last year. Links to Tom's website, the YouTube video, our previous podcast conversation, images of what we're talking about on this episode, and also some works in his upcoming show can all be found on talkingwithpainters.com at episode 123. So Tom, you do, so you do all your own framing? No, I don't do the works on paper. I've given them to my framer, Rodney. Um, but I'm doing this year, I'm doing all the Blackwood frames myself. All the oil paintings. I've always done a component of my framing. I'm a bit particular. It's yeah. evolved over the years. But um, recently, uh, my niece's husband, Paul, is a cabinet maker in the Blue Mountains. He said there's a pack of blackwood for sale, which is a lot of wood. And we bought a pack, which was $4,500 worth of Tasmanian blackwood. And he made, he used some of it to make furniture and I used the rest of it to make picture frame moulding. So I go up there with to his workshop in Lawson and we mill it from rough sawn um, planks into the shapes I want for my picture frame moulding. So oh, I've right. made three different sizes for the different size paintings. So milling means like cutting it down yeah, to cutting those Cutting it, thin. you run it through a thickness sir, and table saw until you get the sizes you want. It's quite a long and tedious process, yeah. Mm. And, then, and then I um, cut it up on this machine, um, which is a more so mitre cutter, which is good because it doesn't make any dust or noise it just you, you cut into the wood incrementally with this lever 
um, and then um, I join it and glue it. Yeah. And how long does the process take, do you reckon? For Too long at the minute, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> when I wake up at four o'clock in the morning thinking I've got so much to do by the end of the week and get it all to the gallery in time. So, uh, yeah. How long have you got? So you, the show opens. The show opens in about, well, we start hanging it in, in um, just one day, two weeks' time. Yeah. So I want to get the pictures all to the gallery a week before so people can preview them. And the works on paper should be arriving around, around the 15th or 16th, so the opening's on the 30th. But before the opening, we, the exhibition comes down on a Saturday that's already hung and then you start on a Sunday, which my exhibitions are really complex to hang because there might be 120 small works and mm. my partner Jan gets involved and Randy, my dealer, and yeah. I've got a friend called Stephen Ralph who does installation for the Art Go of New South Wales and White Rabbit and he's a old friend and a sculptor as well so he helps he's coming in to to help with the hanging so does it take quite a while to sort of figure out the configuration yeah that could take a few hours and but you've, you've got to work that out first by laying them all out on the floor and mm. um and then you once you've decided that the hanging is quite tedious it's quite long it mm. takes two days with institutions like uh, you know the art gallery of new south wales or south australian art gallery or something they probably spend two weeks on that, on that sort of thing, getting yeah. it, but we've only got two days, and then the exhibition's meant to be open to the public from the Tuesday, and it's all got to be labelled, and yeah. it's it's quite a process, yeah. Yeah. So that's so these are some fish, so still yeah. life basically. But most of my exhibition this time will be landscapes, but I have done some fish because um, I've moved to Adelaide for a year, and we're living in the city near the central markets, and. Uh, I go up there and um, I've been buying the cheap fish, which are yellowtails, you know, the oh, whole yeah. fish, the small fish. So um, taking them home and painting them. So, but mainly I'm painting landscapes, but when the weather's wet or something, I'll paint a fish. So, And they're always from life? Yeah, always. I, all my work is from life. So I set up in the back garden, I've painted these um, yellowtails and uh, snapper, this one here. All right. So would you... Would you um be painting in the backyard for the light? Is that why? I like the open, the good light. Maybe my eyes aren't what they used to be. Um, like open shade. I like. I love working in open shade, yeah. I can see things pretty clearly. I'm, I've never really worked in the studio. I don't really need a studio, except I need a lot of storage space, as you can tell by yeah. all, all this, um, my archive, you might say, which can tend to be a bit of a yoke around your neck in the end as the years go by. You know, you end up with so much stuff, but... Having um, moved to Adelaide, I've just living in a more minimal way, which is really nice. I just have my paints and what I need to paint on and a few clothes. So it's been really refreshing and good. Yeah, so the fish is the uh, last exhibition, two exhibitions I've had, quite a lot of fruit and vegetables still life. So, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I only started painting still life when I turned 60. It's been, I came at it very late. I've been a portrait and landscape painter for you know the last 45 years, but uh, and then I just somehow started painting some fruit and veg. But you know I was always the one who did the shopping and most of the shopping, and uh, I just started doing it. So and the other thing I've been painting are typewriters as well. I've done a series of typewriters. Uh, I've done 12 different typewriters, so they're like portraits of individual typewriters. And how did like how did you end up like first start painting the typewriters? Um, just one day, I actually um, I had this old typewriter. This is my typewriter here. 
I am a, I'm a writer, so I used to. I actually wrote my first book, Days and Nights in Africa, on this typewriter. Oh, wow. In many drafts. And, um, that was in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, it came out in 85. And I thought I was being really modern and sophisticated to be using a typewriter, like professional. And um, I bought this at a shop near Central Station, which was second-hand office equipment. And I took it back in the train. My arms nearly fell off. It was so heavy. <laughs> and then I didn't use it that much, but I used to use it to weigh things down. When I had to glue things down, I used this because it weighs a ton. And then I occasionally bring it out and type a letter just for fun yeah. on it. And I was showing it to my son one day. He had two friends from Japan visiting. And um, I said, this is a typewriter. And they thought, wow, that's cool. That's really steampunk. <laughs> and... Uh, I took it downstairs and started doing a still life of it, and then it, one thing led to another. Another friend said, oh, I've got an old Olivetti, and I've got a, an Imperial, and, and um, it was like doing portraits of their children. P- friends would bring me their typewriters, and as long as I was enjoying it, I, I kept doing it, and I put different backgrounds to them, imagining the person who might be using them, and, and I think every typewriter, because of its usage, has its own sort of DNA, um, so they're all quite individuals, and then... Recently, I was um, in Perth looking after my mother-in-law and living with her during last winter, and I, I searched around some Salvo stores and second-hand stores and bought a couple of typewriters just to paint and put them out in the shed at the back of the house and painted them. And do you always put paper in them when you're going to paint them? Yeah, I like them to look like they're, look like they're being used to, to write something, yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, they're beautiful. Well, they're also beautiful things, objects to paint yeah. because of the keys. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful machines. I'm not so sure if it's a nostalgic thing to do, but anyway, I, yeah. I think I've almost done my dash now. I think I've, I've painted about 14 or 15, in, and I'm running out of, of enthusiasm for it now, so yeah, I'll, well, I'll move on. There was that beautiful one in the Salmon this year that, I, you know, it was just, I fell in love with that one. I painted that one in, um, in Perth, yeah. Beautiful. Um, so let's talk about your landscapes. Um, well, uh, I've got some of my most recent ones just here because I've been living in Adelaide. I go up to um, Mount Lofty and um, a friend's house at Mount Lofty. He, in, he grew up there as a teenager and then the house was burnt down in 1983 in the big fires. Then his parents lived there and then they moved. They rebuilt the house within the carcass of the old house, the stone walls. And then they got a bit sick and they moved on to another farm and it hasn't been lived in for 15 years and he's inherited it but it's very run down and he's got to do a lot of work on it. But in the meantime, I'd go up and paint in the garden of this house where the garden's kind of abandoned. But this is the view from the... Um, I've been painting through the treetops towards Adelaide and I've found that a really nice um, theme. So I've done, I've done different views of, of the same... This sitting in the same spot on different days the sky always seems to be very different and even when I look at the same dead tree branches I paint them in different shapes I don't know why I'm trying to paint what I see but it always turns out to be quite different I've got others upstairs that were done on grey days do you like um do is it do you like uh, painting places where you sort of have a personal connection like your friends yeah that's really important to me because there's a lot of landscape to paint and you know, this beautiful wilderness. And sometimes I'm not attracted to the most spectacular or sublime landscapes. It's just landscapes with association means a lot to me. This is another one from, from the garden at Mount Lofty with the winter trees. And, um, and uh, the other place I've been painting 
Last year I did quite a lot of paintings at Moagamara on the edge of the Hawkesbury from the many, many um, rest area. I love the Hawkesbury country. Near the house at Mount Lofty I've been exploring the um, roads and around there. I've been painting, um, these are both done in the same spot, the same place on different days. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, that's one with rain coming and then uh, I went past it. The next day and they were burning off, so I tried to catch the uh, look of the smoke. It's on Piccadilly Road in the Adelaide Hills. So that, that's a painting of James Scanlon and you painted him for the Archibald this year, your finalist. Yeah. Um, how many times have you painted him? Oh, probably about 12 times since um, going back 35, 40 years. So right. It's like oh. that 7-Up documentary. About every seven years, James and I get together and I do a few portraits of him. So yeah. last year I thought it was time again to, to paint him. And we have a really nice... He likes being painted, he tells me, and we have interesting conversations and uh, then we go for a nice walk afterwards. So it's always been a good experience. I feel very relaxed painting James. and He has, he has no vanity whatsoever. Um, yeah, he's, he's the perfect portrait subject for me. Yeah. And, He's a writer and a musician, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've known him for a long while. It's, it's, it's a good experience to, to paint him. I don't over, you know, don't want to take up too much of his time, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure he loves I it. I did a drawing of him and it got in the Dobell Drawing Prize, so he's brought me luck last year. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I had a portrait of him in the Archibald twenty years previous to that. So. Yeah. And do you, how do you find painting the same person again? Oh, I find it really interesting. It's yeah. really, it's really good. Do you find that you don't have, you, there's some things you don't have to work out again? No, no, every time you have to start afresh. It's like a new thing every time. Even the same person a week apart. It's, the way I work, I'm working directly from life. I'm not taking photos or doing drawings and working on them in the studio. It's just me and the sitter there and then. And uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes I, sometimes I might do two sessions, but uh, often it's just one very intense painting session of about two hours. Yeah. yeah right. So, yeah, and then I decide which ones I like. But yeah, that's the way I like to work. What a great artist! I really enjoyed that interview, and I can't wait to see Tom's new work in a few weeks. Also, the Art Gallery Society of the Art Gallery of New South Wales asked me back for the Artist Speak series, and this time we recorded two conversations with artists who've been influenced by Henri Matisse, and those conversations are available via the Art Gallery of New South Wales website. And if you're on Instagram, you can just go to my profile for a direct link to book a viewing of those um, interviews. I spoke with the wonderful Bernard Ollis, who is a previous podcast guest, and also Dame Robin White and her collaborator Ebony Fafita and I thoroughly enjoyed both those conversations. I think they're available for another couple of weeks until about mid-March 2022. Thanks for listening today and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Mm -hmm.